G'day, I'm Osha. Thanks so much for listening. If you're listening to this, it means that you've downloaded it. If you downloaded it, it means that we made it. Because we made it, it means that I paid Andy and Rachel to help me make the show. Now, to help pay Andy and Rachel, I need to play ads every now and again on this show. So you may hear an ad here. You may not hear an ad here. If you do, thank you. You're helping me make this program. If not, beauty. You scored. You're about to hear Georgia Love say something cool. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The friend that I don't... Before all of this, I probably would speak to oh, maybe once every couple of months if something came up, but I got a text message from her out of the blue, quick mental health check, how are you holding up? And that one message just made me feel so supported and if I wasn't okay, I would have been able to respond to that. It's the whole premise of the are you okay messaging. So I've I've taken that now from her and I'm doing that to my friends as well and to the people that who, who wouldn't expect it from me because I think that's what really made the difference, getting it from her too. That is journalist, podcaster and former bachelorette, Georgia Love. And this is Better Than Yesterday. Hello and welcome. This is Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osha Ginsberg. Uh, thank you so much for being here. This is a bi-weekly podcast. Uh, Mondays I speak with a guest, Fridays I speak with you, and all I am trying to do here is make today a little bit better than yesterday. Something that you hear on this show today will help you make today a little bit better than it was yesterday. That's it. That's all I'm here to do. I'm talking to you from Melbourne. I am in a... Uh, in the other room of a rented apartment that the production has rented me. And don't tell the next people that live here, but the bed that they will sleep on has spent some time on the wall. Yes, I took the bed apart and one mattress is over there and the bottom other part of the bed is over there because I needed to make some sort of boothy sound situation because I don't know what happened in the early 2000s. People just went, we're going to build apartments and we're going to make them the most echoey things ever. I think that's a great idea. Good, great, build it. And then that seems to be what is happening. <laughs> but I've managed to, I think it sounds okay. I think it sounds pretty good in here. Uh, just like I said, don't tell the landlord that I've rearranged the furniture. Like I've essentially, look, what's happened is when I was a kid, I used to make a lot of forts out of the furniture in the living room. And that skill set has uh, paid off. Because here I am at 46 years old and I've created a fort out of the furniture that I could find here in this apartment and I've made myself a little studio, which is awesome. Anyway, thanks for being here. Georgia Love's on the show today. She's got a podcast. It's called Everyone Has an X. It's rather good. You can get it where you get your podcasts. I'll talk more about Georgia in just a moment. Thanks, everyone, for... Oh, hang on. Something's in my voice. Hang on. It's not COVID, I'm sure. Ah. <sighs> It's just water, Melbourne tap. 
Thanks heaps for the messages. I really appreciate it. You can always email me if you like, send us your email at gmail.com or you can uh, you know, pop a note to me on Instagram. Haley will make sure I see it. I don't have Instagram on my phone, all right, just so you know. If you're on Zwift, come and say hi. I've got nothing to do except ride a bike because I'm in here in Melbourne. I can be here or I can be at work. That's it. I even have a piece of paper, a laminated piece of paper that I have to carry with me to show the fuzz if they stop me to ask why you're not in your house. Because there's a curfew here and it's weird, but it's okay, but it's weird. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for all the messages about Friday's episode too. That was really nice of you. Thanks a lot. Most appreciated. I guess the other thing that is, is really knocking people's socks off is the Karen Douglas episode, which is a couple uh, episodes ago now. You can uh, scroll back, I think, two, three weeks, F347. Th- that's all about conspiracy theories and why people get sucked into conspiracy theories. And you can really see that that's to the prominence here in Victoria. There's uh, like a bunch of people who have bel- they're believing some wacky stuff. That is just simply not true online and it's leading them to get into a shitload of trouble with the fuzz and it's interesting because we might be wanting dismissing them but they're obviously really frightened people you know taking big risks with their freedom for not real reasons and the karen douglas episode it's i know it's going to be one of those every now and again i look at the download numbers and there's one that just consistently gets like oh oh my wife's facetiming me Let's see if we can't talk to Audrey. Hang on a sec. Hey, hon, I'm, I'm recording the podcast intro. Is it bath time? Yeah, I thought you'd want to see bath time. I sure want to see bath time. Can bath time happen while I do the podcast intro? If you don't mind it happening in the background. I hope people won't mind. If you don't mind. I'm literally recording it right now. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's fine. All right. So I'm just going to keep going, all right? Okay, sorry. Don't be sorry. I'm, I'm, like, it's bath time. I'm getting a FaceTime, a live FaceTime feed from bath time, which is amazing. I don't know how people worked remotely before this stuff, before the ability to have a live video link to people they love anywhere in the world. I know, Wolf. You're going to have a bath, mate. Here we go. Um, what was I telling you about? Oh, there, yeah, Karen Douglas episode. A lot of people really resonating with that. Um, it's all about conspiracy theories and, and, and the weirdness around that. So... Uh, you may want to roll back and check that sucker out. It's pretty good. Speaking of other podcasts, the great and powerful Will Anderson was kind enough to invite me back onto Willosophy this week. And it was a fantastic conversation. We talked a lot about climate action. We talked a lot about time travel and we talked about democratic reform and I mentioned a conversation that I had with Ian Walker from New Democracy and a few people asked about it so I thought I might just give you a little taste of that if it tickles your fancy slide down the feed uh, a few episodes episode 331 with Ian Walker here's just a taste of that conversation look at the UK after Brexit they hit a point where they realized their public decision making structures didn't work out for them it's not about being for or against Brexit. You took an impossibly complex topic that involves trade, movement of people, regulation of products, hundreds of billions in budgeting, and you gave people a yes or no ticker box way to address that. It is one of the dumbest things I can picture. There's actually no right and wrong answers for most things in society. There's an answer that the vast majority of the community says, that seems fair enough, I can live with it. And that's all we're aspiring to get to in very hard topics facing societies from energy futures and climate change through to health systems and indeed welfare funding. We often set up two oppositional groups to go punch and duty at one another. And it's a change of thinking to say, what if instead of trying to put in two opposing views, we now add in one common ground view. And that's what we've been seeking to achieve. That's Ian Walker, episode 331. If you wanted to go check out another podcast in this feed about uh, democratic reform. Pretty interesting stuff. Okay, so let me tell you about my guest today. How you going there, Wolf? Are you getting your face washed? Is it good, mate? Yeah, I know, buddy. You just want to stand up and explore things. I know. I know you do, buddy. I know. Oh, man. Hey, you're super cute. Hey, buddy. Hello. Hello. Oh, yeah, you got the ducky. How good's ducky? Ducky's pretty great. Hello, buddy. 
All right, I'm just going to keep talking to everybody, okay? Um, let me tell you about my guest today. Georgia Love is a journalist, a podcaster, and a former bachelorette from Melbourne, Australia. I first met Georgia in 2016 when she became the hero of our TV show, The Bachelorette, and it was on that TV show that she met her fiancé, Lee Elliott. Georgia's a powerful human. She's a very clever human being. She's a delight to witness uh, interacting on Twitter, if you are interested in that sort of thing. And I'm I'm very grateful that her voice is in the world. You can find her on Instagram, Georgie A. Love. It's a slight misspelling. Someone must have got Georgia Love. It's Georgie, G-E-O-R-G-I-E-A-L-O-V-E. You can also check out her excellent podcast, Everyone Has an X. Go grab it where you get your podcasts. We did record this conversation a little while back. It was during the first COVID-19 lockdown. A lot has changed. And not so much has changed. It's really interesting because we kind of speak about, you know, what we're thinking about what would happen in the coming weeks and months. And now we kind of know it's interesting, you know, checking in and listening to what we predicted and how it might work out. If you do enjoy this conversation, go check out her podcast. It's called Everyone Has an X. I hope you enjoyed this chat and fabulous cameo from her fiance when he comes home from work. This is Georgia Love. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah. Dear Georgia, how are you today? I'm good, I'm good. Just kind of navigating whatever this new form of life is. It is an interesting one, isn't it? Because, I don't know, it's like if your big ship's going down, you all run around very quickly and you jump in the lifeboat and then you go, okay, now we're here. Now what do we do? Mm-hmm. We sit here. For a long time. And we have no choice in it. We can't question it. We've got no idea how long for. It's so bizarre. It just doesn't feel like something that happens in 2020. That's what I can't get my head around. It just feels like the thing we talk about used to happen back in the old days and how lucky are we now growing up and living in this age where things like that don't happen. Yeah. Well... They do, they yeah. have, they are, they will, and more. I mean, all, all I can say is it's a terrible situation. You know, people that I know and love are out of work for the first time in their entire careers. You know, we've stopped production. I don't know what is mm. going to happen to my industry. Yeah. You know? In some parts of the world, there are people being triaged on tarpaulins in the hospital parking lot and they go, well, how many kids has that person got? How many kids that person got? All right, this one gets to go inside. That one, sorry, you're going to die in a car park. That's what's happening. Though this is not the first coronavirus. There have been coronaviruses like the Middle Eastern Respiratory MERS had, had a mortality rate of something like 30%. But you got it so quickly and you got sick so quickly that it was very easy to go, okay, that person's infectious. Yeah. So in some ways, I'm like, hey, this is terrible. But in other ways, I'm like, we're fucking lucky that it is this. So we can now go as a world, okay, let's reassess how we stay ready for something like this. Yeah. And stop the entire thing rather than just maybe a certain strain. You've got the entire world trying to work on one thing collectively, which is, I hate to use this word because it's so overused at the moment, but so unprecedented. Mm. The whole world's working towards the same goal, essentially. Yeah. It's in everybody's interests that we, mm. we do it. We're so very lucky to be here in Australia. Aren't we? Yeah. Because I think that people still aren't really realising the gravity of it here because people are watching the news every night and going, you know, oh, yeah, I know that's happening over there, but, like, we've only had 32 people die or whatever it is. It's almost like they're still not taking it seriously because we're so lucky here. But that's what scares me because we won't continue to be lucky if people don't continue to take it seriously. Well, that's the thing about this virus and that each person infects, uh, on average, three people, Mm. which it's something like if... One person infects three people on the first day and then those three people infect three people on the next day. Within 10 days, that's 56,000 people, all right? And with a mortality rate of, you know, between 1% and 6%, depending on healthcare, that's a lot of people that will die. Quickly. 
Yeah, mm. and it's not nice from what I can gather. Yeah, it's, just, it's lungs just not just stopping to work. It's not, that's the thing as well, everyone's saying, oh, it's just like a flu, it's just like a flu. It, maybe it is for the first few days until it crystallises in your lungs. Yeah. <sighs> and it's, it's, I'll never forget on the first, it was on the night of September 11th, I was in New York mm. City, I was there, and my producer, Ben Richardson, we're hearing we're in this bar and we were like, well, fuck, the world might end tonight. And there was just rumors. So we were just drinking incredibly heavily. And that was back when I was drinking. And there were rumors just flying around. Oh, don't go near Trump Tower tomorrow. Don't go near Grand Central Station, blah, 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 blah. Nerve gas, this, that, the other. And I was starting to panic. And Ben just turned to me and says, remember, the first casualty of war is the truth. Oh. Yeah. He's, he's good old Ben. And um, something like, oh, it's just a bad flu. I think I might have said that in the first early days of it because that was the messaging. That's what everyone was saying. And all we know is what we're being told until we experience it ourselves, correct? Yeah, but it's mm. clearly not that. And this idea that only older people get it is clearly not true. Mm. And we've seen infants die. We've seen teenagers die. We've seen people in... Now, I'm in my mid-40s. We've seen people my age, otherwise quite healthy people, mm -hmm. get really ill and die. You know, there's a there's a there's definitely a communications issue here, Georgia. It's, uh, it's certainly interesting. How are you guys? I mean, I'm guessing the two of you are at home within the four walls. Well, yes and no, because Lee's a tradie. He's still at work, but only because the site he's working on at the moment is just him. He's running his project and it's at Monash Uni, which is closed. So it's literally just him on site anyway. So while that industry is still being allowed to go, he's still going to work and doesn't associate with anyone. But yeah. me working in news, I'm still working. Yeah. We've just got really, really strict measures in place with social distancing and, you know, we don't drive in the same car as the cameraman. We, you know, drive ourselves to jobs and everything's sanitised within an inch of its life every three minutes and the 1.5 metre rule. But I'm probably most likely of every, everyone and anyone I know to be infected because I am still out in the community because I'm doing that job of bringing the information to people and it's a strange catch-22. My dad said the same thing because he's a surgeon but 90% of what he does is elective surgery which is all being called off. But now they're all being asked, you know, if or when it gets to the point that we need more people working on this in the front line all elective surgeons are, are going to be asked whether they can help out or not. Now, my dad's 66, so he's going, well, do I help because I'm in the industry and I can help people, but in that I put myself at risk? Mm. And what an incredibly tough decision to have to think about making. I, You know, I guess in any other case, you know, if you're, your dad's a doctor, both my parents were doctors, they both took the Hippocratic Oath if they were walking down the street and someone fell over in front of him, I don't doubt that your dad would just lunge to, to help without any thought of this might hurt me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on one hand, I'm really grateful that those spare doctors are, um, I mean, I was the same. I was going to get, I need a bilateral hip replacement. And, um, oh, oh yeah, I know. And, um, I was going to go in and get it later this year, but now I'm like, no way I'm going anywhere near a hospital. And nah. then about 10 days later, they said, okay, all elective surgery's off. I'm like, okay, no problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all these things where you go, oh, I don't, I'm, I'm going to have to make this decision, but I don't want to. And then they go, oh, we're going to take the decision out of your hands anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm on one hand, I'm like, okay, that's really good that we're thinking about what is the capacity of our healthcare system to absorb this with the level of knowledge that already exists. Maybe the bloke that, you know, did my vasectomy might go and help someone, but, you know, he's obviously got a general basic knowledge of, of medicine and, and can help keep people alive. But on the other hand, I'm like, we are really staring at something that is going to get so bad. We need perhaps the doctor that does vasectomies to go and look after a lung patient. Yeah. They're asking people who are retired, yeah. who, you know, haven't been practicing for years and who probably did the vasectomies when they retired anyway. Yeah. It's really hard to wrap your head around when until you start looking at little things like that. The thing that keeps hitting home to me is I'll look at an example of one person I know in mm. one industry and the ripples in their industry to their world and I think, shit, that's one person. That's one that I know that I'm thinking of right in this very moment. Yeah. And all the ripples that that person, that their job, that their industry reflects and connects to and, again, that's one industry. 
Yeah. But it's just, it's so far reaching. It's really hard to wrap your head around it. It's really quite overwhelming when you stop and think about it a lot. We, well, I think we can only really do what we, we can only do the parts that we can do, yeah. Georgia. And, and, you know, I can only make sure that I wipe down all the groceries when they come back into my house and I do a run from the front door to the back door and I just, I bleach every high touch surface once a day and, you know, just try and be as careful as I can around when I go out to go and get groceries. But, you know, that's really all I can do. I can't control healthcare policy. I can't control, you know, other people's decisions to go to the park. I can't control, you know, anything along those lines. But I don't know if not telling the public how bad this could possibly be is a deliberate thing. I get it. I get that they don't want people elbowing each other in the face over toilet paper much, but how can we hold this until we can build 35,000 uh, ICU beds? Uh, mm. <laughs> that tells you something about what the modelling says about how sick we can get. And how can you expect people to take it seriously and to keep agreeing to do all these things and to stay locked in and to stay without a job unless they know what the reasoning is, because people in this day and age are pretty dumb. We can look at New York or we can look at China and we can look at Italy, but there's still a weird thing in so many people's heads in this day and age where they go, oh, but that won't affect me. That's over there. That's generally what humans do. Mm. You know, this is why my, you know, my father, as a, he's, he's still around, but yes, I know smoking's terrible for me. I'm a doctor. I read all the research. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, she'll be right. Lung cancer's for somebody else, (laughs) not this guy right here. It's like, Dad, got news for you, pal. No, you know. (laughs) But that's the thing, you know. We all believe that it's not going to happen to us, but it looks like it will. The odds are that you, me, everyone in my family will get sick, Mm. and. The idea is that we slow it down as much as possible so that if you, me, Lee, Audrey, G, anybody of us, any one of us gets ill, that the healthcare system can absorb us and everybody else that needs that healthcare system as well. Everyone that had had a heart attack today, everyone that chopped their femoral artery up in the Ikea box with a Stanley knife like I nearly did the other day. (gasps) Oh, God. Yeah, I'm the worst. Oh, I felt that. (laughs) You know, that when we go to hospital, that there's a free bed. Yeah. Because that's the thing too, it's not just for the people that get the virus, it's mm. for everyone else that needs healthcare and people are at home doing stupid things. Like I, mean, I can't leave so I might clean the leaves out of the gutter of my roof and fall off a ladder. This yeah. thing, <laughs> people are doing stupid things because they're bored. I was on the roof uh, only two days oh, ago. Stop, with, uh, stop. As we've got this. Audrey got this tool. It's like a rope-powered secateur on the end of a really long pole. All right, it's used to prune things because we've got a possum, and I was trying to access. Oh. I was trying to remove the access of the possum to the house, <laughs> and so I'm up on the roof, and Audrey's like, "Don't you fucking fall!" So, but think of how hilarious it would be. My husband died <laughs> in the COVID nineteen pandemic. Oh my god, coronavirus! No, he fell no. off a roof. <laughs> It'll be the best joke for the rest of your life. <laughs> we say, if you're going to go, you may as well make a headline. <laughs> it would be hilarious. You know, oh, television presenter dies during pandemic, <laughs> fell off roof being idiot. <laughs> Didn't know what to do without work for two months. <laughs> <laughs> make lots of podcasts. That's yeah. what t- That's it's all we can do. You are, are someone who's not a stranger to podcasts. Where did podcasts come into your life, Georgia Love? Oh, I, well, the first time I ever kind of did my own podcast was a Bachelor one, no less. Last year for Channel 10, we did a a friend and a presenter. Friend of mine, Shura Taft, and I did a bit of a Bachelor recap podcast on Maddie Agnew's season. And I did that because I love Bachelor. And I found out from doing it that I love podcasting too. I've been a guest on podcasts many times before, and I've always really enjoyed that. But it turns out, I enjoy talking about other people even more than I enjoy talking about myself. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a surprise to everybody. So after I did that Cocktails and Roses podcast, I thought, I just really enjoy this. And I've kind of always had in the back of my mind that I would I would like to do something, but I wasn't going to just do something for the sake of it. I'd only do it if an idea sprang to me. And it did kind of by chance. A girlfriend and I were on holidays together last year. And just as you do when you've got kind of a few days together, you just talk about all sorts of things. And she brought up this 
epic story about her high school boyfriend and who he turned out to be and, and how that all unfolded for her being the ex. And I said, God, you've got to do something with that story. You should write a book or something like that. And she said, yeah, I should really. You know. Anyway, that kind of went on. The next day we're talking about something else and she was telling a story about, you know, a girlfriend's going through a terrible breakup and I did that thing that people do, you know. Oh, God, you reckon that story's bad? My friend has a worse story than that. And we kind of laughed about the fact that, you know, oh, we could put this in your book with, with your ex story. And it was actually her who came to me after the holiday and said, I've been thinking about that book that we were joking about and I think it's a podcast. And it just kind of like, you know, pennies dropped and the ball started rolling on that and it's just sparked from this idea that, as the title says, everyone has an ex. Everyone's got a story. Everyone knows a story and there's something really voyeuristic and juicy about being able to peek over the fence into someone's private life. You know, you hear love stories all the time, but you don't often hear the bad ones. I... I know that for a 100% fact. Every single person I meet on that red carpet on the first night of The Bachelor, they're in exactly your case. They're, they're smart, they're clever, they're beautiful, they've already got a great career going on, and they're single. Now, uh, it's not the US Bachelor, pretty sure everyone that stood in front of me is a vir- not a virgin. So they're all somebody's ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, or in some cases, ex-husband or wife. And that always fascinates me. I mean, I'm I'm somebody's ex. I'm a few people's ex. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> and you've got your own too. But we don't talk about those stories because it's kind of not kosher to do so. But it's fun when you do. Are you the kind of person who's uh, this person is no longer in my life? Therefore, I guess it's easy to do now. But there was a time when you'd have printed out photographs. Are you mm-hmm. are you a rip up and burn the photos, goodbye forever kind of person, or are you I'll keep them around and then just explain to my, you know, now fiance, why do I have a photo of me on a beach in Spain <laughs> with a guy that I was clearly having sex with that isn't you? Oh, awkward. No, I'm nostalgic AF. I think you know that about me. I'm terrible with those kind of things. I keep everything, but I kind of hide them away. The best thing that was ever invented on the iPhone was that hidden photo folder because I don't want to be scrolling through my photos and, and my ex pops up because that's going to make me feel weird. But if I'm in a stalky mood and I don't want to actually go onto his page in case I accidentally like something. <laughs> the worst. The, don't, no, the just don't folder. do it. <laughs> no, I keep things. I'm just really nostalgic and I like to be able to look back over things if I want to. And far more often than not, I, I never do. Yeah. But it's also really funny to look back at the photos that, you know, you thought they were the one and you thought you looked great and this was the most beautiful photo and I had it framed beside my bed and you look at it now and you go, oh, Lord, blow up. (laughs) (laughs) Why do we feel weird? Why can people feel weird when their partner refers to their ex in anything other than that bastard or that, you know, whatever? (laughs) I think how you said it first was right. Why do we feel weird? I hate hearing about any partner's exes, especially Lee now, he's my fiancé. I'm like, don't acknowledge that there was anyone before me. (laughs) I don't know why, though, and it's so hypocritical because I talk about my exes, you know, they, they shape your lives, right? So I don't know why I feel like that. It's this a strange kind of competitive thing within you, I think, that you you want to be the only person that they've ever pictured a life with, that they've ever thought was the most amazing thing in the world. So the fact that they thought that about someone else is almost a bit bruising on the ego. Oh, hello. There's oh. a handsome man in high-vis behind you. <laughs> Speak of the devil. <laughs> wash your hands. You just came into the house. Oh, she's telling you to wash your hands, please. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Wash everything. Okay, yes. <laughs> Wipe everything down. <laughs> I have. I did warn him he needs to be quiet, so he's going to wash his hands and then PO, aren't you? You're going to wash your hands and then PO, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah. Sorry. I would have washed No, that's uh, okay. <laughs> it's an ex- Hello, Lee. It's nice to see you. Oh, it's nice to see you. All right. Sauce. What a, <laughs> a, 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 a good. 
it's very important to wash your hands. As you know, mm-hmm. the coronavirus is not a living thing. It's a self-assembled nanoparticle and it is held together. Like the glue that holds the Lego bricks of the virus together is essentially a lipid layer, which is a fat. And if you want to just destroy the damn thing, you just use what you would use on your on your pan that you've cooked your chicken with the night before, or tofu if you may, and you put soap on it and that'll just break that lipid apart, break that fat apart, and the whole thing falls to bits like a house of cards. You've knocked a card out from underneath. And that's why you use soap and water and not hand sanitizer. That's a wonderful way to think of it. And another wonderful way to think is just what you said about the chicken on the knife. You're not going to use that knife again on something else. So why would you use your hand again when you've had something dirty on it? This is true. Mm. We have a baby in the house, so I've barely got skin left on my hands because the amount of hand washing and bleaching and isopropyl alcoholing I'm doing. It's important, though. We've got a... Baby Wolfie, how is he? He's good. He's... It's interesting watching his little neural pathways form and his little habits. We are, and this will lead us back to our conversation Mm. about exes, we are, as human beings, we're pretty simple creatures and our operating systems are pretty, our lines of code are pretty easy. All we do is operate on subroutines of things that have worked before, all right? I am hungry, therefore I make this particular sandwich. Now I'm not hungry, there it goes. Every time I'm hungry, I'll make this one sandwich. That's the one thing I know how to make. And then if, as you learn new things to cook, you have these subroutines and that's, that's all you do. You just go back to these things that work and you slot these little programs in, all right? Similarly, that's how we behave to each other. For example, I'm the kind of person that when I come home, if I haven't seen my partner for a long time, I will walk up to my wife and I will give her a kiss on the lips. All right. I will see her and I'll give her a kiss on the lips. All right. But there are some people that never happened for. And if you have come out of a relationship where you expect that kiss on the lips and the other person's never in a relationship that had that kiss on the lips, suddenly there's a, hang on, these two things are clashing. But all it is, is a subroutine that's run on one side with one expectation and a subroutine that runs on the other with another expectation. And they aren't intermingling. So similarly, I see these little neural pathways get written in Wolf. When I put him down in his cot, he lies in the same way. His arm goes out in the same place. I put his little fluffy bunny in his hand. His hand does exactly the same thing. He pulls it towards his face. He goes, and he falls into a deep sleep. And he does that every single time. And it's fascinating watching his little brain write these loops that we then go around and around and around in for the rest of our lives like a Westworld host. It's um, it's interesting that what you said before, we may want to pretend that this person has only ever had eyes for me. We want to pretend that this person, I'm the only person they ever think about. Yet this person that we've met, like it or not, they are a direct result of every person they have ever been in love with. And the way they own a relationship is exactly because of all of those uh, men or women that they have had in their past. Even the cool things that you like in bed, you have to thank someone else for, <laughs> for teaching them that. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> it's the truth. I and know we... it is. And why is it so weird to think about though? Because I don't think it's weird thinking about myself with other people in my past. Why have I got such a problem with thinking about my partner and the people they've been with? It's such a bizarre and frustrating psychological trait. It is this weird cognitive dissonance, isn't it, that comes up against our our need and desire to be the this kind of monogamous exclusivity that we feel safety in, yet understanding there are parts of them, like for all we know, and, you know, there was definitely one person in my past without a shadow of a doubt that I was a different person because of her, Mm. all right? I was a different person to be around and I was a different person. I I didn't know a lot uh, about the world and this person was kind enough to show me the ways. And um, after that relationship ended, I was different and I have to thank her. And that is a gift that carried on and kept on giving to other women in my life. Absolutely. And even take a step back from that, not just what we learn from each person, but the situation that we're in, in our lives, you know, it's, it's, you're much more likely to meet and therefore fall in love with somebody if you're in a position where you're available to them. And obviously that doesn't always happen. People Mm. meet while they are in other relationships. But, you know, me personally, if I hadn't have had my heart broken in 2015, I wouldn't have been in a position where I could have gone on The Bachelorette in 2016 and I therefore wouldn't be sitting here today. It's a whole everything happens for a reason at at the time. And I don't know if you know this actually, it was um, so a year to the date that my ex broke my heart the year to the date was 
our first rose ceremony as a bachelorette. Dun, dun, dun. I know, I know. So, you know, you look back in that and I remember, you know, post that breakup, the first season of The Bachelorette was on air and I was sitting with my best friend, you know, in my pyjamas with my glass of wine in my hand and crying and yelling at the TV being like, why does she get to have love? I should be on this. I deserve love too. And then literally a year later I was there. (laughs) (laughs) So I need to thank my ex for that very much. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people sing you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I think we could all thank our exes, and that might be a better way to relate to not only your ex, but your partner's ex, to either thank them for... It's not my line, and I won't say the name of the comedian who said the line because it has fallen into some amount of disrepute, but the line Ah. is no good marriage ends in divorce. (laughs) So, look, even in my own relationships, I have to thank even the ones that ended really horribly emotionally and financially and everything. I have to thank them because right now the lessons I learned about myself, the things I got a chance to change about myself, the things that I thought were good and bad, the choices I made, have allowed me to be in this extraordinary relationship that I'm in right now. And yeah, they sucked at the time. It hurt. I've fucked getting your heart pulled out and then sleeping on a mate's couch because you got nowhere to live. You know, that sucks. Mm. And yet it is because of that that I have found the pathway to become this and 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 I'm sure in many ways the same for Audrey. You know, I have to thank the men in her past because she ultimately went. You know what? She used to joke that I'm, I'm, I'm the. I'm <laughs> oh God! What? <laughs> I was the first person that she dated that wore pants for a job. Oh. <laughs> I don't even want to ask, but I love that. <laughs> no, it was a, no, she had a thing for guys who, you know, were athletic. That's what I'm saying. Okay. okay. Right. But that's, okay, that's a fascinating subset to this conversation as well is, is the idea of types. Yeah. You know, what, what's your type? What's your type? And both Lee and I uh, are the quite polar opposite of each other's exes and therefore what you would probably have called their their and yeah. our types. And does that not show that that's probably the reason that we've worked, you know? Yeah. His type didn't work for him before. My type didn't work for me. And and here we are with people who, who if someone had asked us a month before we ever met, if someone had read to Lee all of my traits and characteristics and personalities out from a list and what would you think of this girl who'd go, oh, no, she's not my type. So that, that all comes from exes too, learning that maybe your type isn't actually your type or it shouldn't be. As I say to guys, usually I have to say it to the guys on Bachelor and Bachelorette quite a bit, if you go for what you've always gone for, you'll get what you've always got. That's exactly right because it hasn't worked before. Why would you go, I'm going to buy peanut butter today. Why would you be surprised that when you open it, there's peanut butter in the jars? Like, I, don't, I wanted to taste Vegemite today. It's because you keep buying peanut butter. You might be allergic to it, but you keep buying it. Stop yeah. buying, go wild down. And it's never, go get something else. The men never learn. They never do. I would put it to you that some women have the similar, come on, Georgia of Love, course, don't you? Of course, of course, some do. But I'm being incredibly sexist right now. (laughs) (laughs) So it's fine if you are being incredibly, incredibly sexist right now. All right. The idea of 
everyone having an ex, it does, you know, to think about, you know, you read Michelle Obama's book and you go, yeah, Barack had an ex. Uh, How'd you be being like Barack Obama's ex-girlfriend? Isn't that that weird to think about? Because especially, you know, famous couples, you don't think of them ever not being that way or not being together. Yeah. There was a great article that came out recently, I think it was in the New York Times, was a a journalist from there wrote an article saying, my ex is dating Lady Gaga. And it's this amazing piece about the fact that she dated this super normal guy for years and they didn't work out. And then all of a sudden one day her phone blew up because all her friends are messaging and saying, have you seen the headlines and and her run-of-the-mill normal ex-boyfriend is dating Lady Gaga. And how do you weigh up to Lady Gaga? You, I would, you know, you'd put yourself on the brilliant, then I am, <laughs> I'm equal. Yes. I am yeah, equal see, to Lady right Gaga. that's the think about it. That's how I'd put it. I was like, yes, exactly. You know, I am of the same value as Lady Gaga. Brilliant. You are, Osha, you are. But, uh, but <laughs> thank you. But, uh, you know, but ultimately, who are we to, who are we to know? There was a... Again, you know, I, I, I pick up bits and pieces across the way, but un- unless you're there at 11 o'clock at night when the couple's whispering each other to each other across the pillow before they drift off to sleep about what is okay and not okay in a relationship, you don't know and you won't know the rules and you know, won't know what's expected or what's not expected, okay? So you can't, we really, really can't judge. We absolutely cannot judge. I was thinking, you know, as you were saying, about you, you talk about you know Lady Gaga's ex. I would hope that this woman was able to at least find the lessons in every ex. And I, I would think that's something you do cover. I'm sure. You know, what are the lessons that we can gain from our exes so we don't not only put ourselves through that, but then put another person through that? Because let's be honest, I'm not alone in this. I have had relationships that have gone down similar paths and I'm not going to say they're repeated, but they rhymed. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, how did this happen again? What the fuck? (laughs) There's absolutely no reason it should have. I can't see why. Yeah. But I mean, that is, that is the opportunity we have with every ex that we have with every relationship that doesn't work out. We have that opportunity, don't we? Oh, that, absolutely. And that's what this whole idea for this podcast sparked from is that you learn so many lessons and often you don't talk about them. You just move forward and society tells you, you know, should we right? Move forward. It's all good. Next step. Don't live in the past. But there's a big difference between living in the past and learning from the past. And that's the kind of thing I want to explore. And, you know, also in our Instagram world that we live in these days, everyone shows the best of everything. And as a perfect example, one of the, one of the stories on our podcast is of this girl who was w- with a man for six and a half years, and he turned out to be an entirely different person than what she thought. Now, I was going back through her Instagram of the time that I now know the relationship to have broken down, and it was all you know it went from being happy, lovey photos to the next photos were just her on her own, but she was happy and she was at the gym and she was going out with a girlfriend. And I now know from speaking to her and interviewing her and hearing from the depths of her soul that she was in despair and utter heartbreak for months and months and probably years, yet she felt she had to project this, I'm okay, everything's okay because social media has to look like it's that. So that's what I've really enjoyed. Sounds like the wrong word, but what I found really fascinating about doing this project and hearing about people talking about the, you know, the depths of their despair and these worst times in their lives is that people don't talk about that often, especially when they're in a place now or in a relationship now that is good. You're just kind of taught not to talk about the old ones, but why the heck not? That That's definitely true, but I would also say that there's another factor in there, which I have been on the other side of, that may be at play, is that as a general rule, in a hetero relationship, women get over the relationship when they're in the relationship. Men have to get over the relationship after it. Like, women usually decide that it's over mm. days, weeks, months before it actually ends. And they have that grieving and heartbreaking process while they're still together in a way. And the guy's like, what's going wrong? What's go- how, why does she keep getting more and more distant? Because she's already checked out, you know? And then often then the guy suddenly has to then do all that processing by himself. And so, you know, as a guy, I would look at that and go, oh yeah, going to the gym by herself, is she? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we know where this is going. 
<laughs> yep, yep, fair. But again, it, it, it works both ways because I've had exactly that in a past relationship before where I've realised I wasn't in love with the person anymore and it's taken me a long time to admit that out loud. But then I've had the flip side as well where I've had the rug pulled out from under me and had my heart broken overnight and <laughs> didn't expect or see anything. It was the, the polar opposite. So yeah. happens to the best of us. How long do people need to be together before you can class them as an ex, Georgia? I don't think it's time. I think it's depth of the relationship. Uh, I think you can be with someone only for a couple of months, but if there's, you know, real feelings involved, if there's lasting effects of that relationship, for instance, one of my exes, I, I only dated for six months, but it was a, a much messier breakup and a, a more emotional come down than someone I dated for three and a half years. I think it's more about depth than it is time. Right. Because so I have, yeah, yeah. Sorry, oh, yes. I'm just thinking back over, it's like the last time I got dumped. Yeah. As the man that does all the dumping in Australia, you're sounding I do. very rude I've, having to cast your mind back right now. I've, I've dumped hundreds of people by now. <laughs> I know. I really mean to thank you for that. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, but I leave the hardest one to you. Yeah, That's the I thing. I oh, leave don't the, worry. I remember. I was there. I leave the hardest one till the very, very end. Um, but yeah, that's my job. My job is to go in and pull the trigger. And it's, I do, I, do, I, I turn up to <laughs> season three of Bachelor in Paradise, which is coming up soon on the show, on the telly. And I was like, <laughs> it's good oh to God. see you all again. You know what you will have coming? I've dumped everyone. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hang on. Oh, there was one where I tried saying that one. So one said, one said nah, I walked out. Ah, ah, so it. you did. <laughs> oh, that one got me in the feels. So oh. you did. You, you walked. And good on you for doing so. Well, now you, uh, you're in the domestic bliss part of a relationship of like, wash your hands, be quiet, shush. <laughs> Which is, bliss. as we all know, the, the sound of true love. <laughs> what do you think the biggest misconception that people might have is about a couple that's met on a reality television show like The Bachelorette? Oh, gosh. Probably every single thing that they think is a misconception. Um, I've only got my relationship to go off, of course. I don't know what, what any of the other batches are, are like in theirs, but certainly for myself and Lee, we're very boring. <laughs> we're, you know, a very normal couple, like, as, as you heard and as you said, you know. Five minutes after this, we'll be hugging in the kitchen and deciding what we want for dinner. And that's about the extent of our day. I think the biggest misconception is that we're different kind of people to whoever the couple that lives next door to you are, uh, which is just entirely untrue. All we have ever done is allow somebody to film us for three months of our lives. And that's it. That's all we've ever done differently to anyone else. So why would we be different people? Why would we be a different couple? It, it's really great and amazing. We feel so grateful and thankful to be able to look back on the start of our relationship. And, you know, when we're 70, if we want to, we can go back and watch the moment that we first locked eyes on each other. And that's so bloody cool. But it also doesn't make us any different. It just gives yeah. us a different opportunity to be able to do that. You know, we've still navigated so much on our own and in normal life so much and, and we'll continue to navigate so much. We've, we're not just dating, we're not riding a wave of being on a reality TV show and having fun and, oh, we're, we went through this together so let's stick together. We're engaged to be married. We've dealt with grief together. We've dealt with loss, financial stresses, emotional, mental health stresses and we're, we're getting married. We're, we want to spend our lives together and no one's filming us anymore. So why would we care about that? Why would anyone care about that? I said, I'm just going to yell at him to take his shoes off at the door. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that there is the perception that there is a transactional value for going on television. I go on television, I get paid. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you have to scratch the surface too far to figure out that isn't really what you and Lee were in it for? 
I certainly like to think that people don't think that, you know, four years down the track, if we're still holding on because we had 15 minutes of fame four years ago, that's pretty sad, right? I've got to spend every day with him. I'm not going to do that just because, you know, I've got some Instagram <laughs> followers. It's too hard work, my God. I, I do think, of course, there's people that go on that. There were people on our season who went on, you know, wanting the Instagram fame and, and got that and I don't begrudge them of that. But I think the the end of the day, if people go on these reality shows, whether it's Batch or Batchette or any of the other shows that are there, if they come out the other side and have genuinely found what they were looking for, then you can't begrudge them of that no matter what it was. And the only frustration I have with that is, is this ongoing kind of perception that it can't be true love. It can't be a real relationship because of how it started. But people don't think that about people who met on Tinder or who met at a nightclub when they were both off their heads or people who were set up by a friend. How is that any different? It's literally only the way we met. It it, it doesn't shape us or our relationship. And yeah, it it can be frustrating that, that people assume that it does. I dream of a day. I remember early on when Tinder first started, it was in the profile because I was on it when I was in Los Angeles and single and it was the worst ever. I hated it. (laughs) It was horrible. But it was, we'll tell our kids we met at the park. Yeah. It was what people would always write on Tinder. Since I've been to like three Tinder weddings. Okay. Yeah, because because that's how people meet now. And maybe in 10 years' time, we'll, you know, be listening to a podcast where they go, you know, oh, and it was so funny, you know, I was embarrassed to say I met on reality TV. And that's just how everyone meets now. (laughs) (laughs) From your words to God's ears, man, from your lips (laughs) to the reality TV God's ears, let that be the case. Let let us still have TV networks to make reality shows on in 10 years from now. Oh, my God. So I wonder, you know, what it's like. You guys have been together for four years, but could you imagine if you were in the first, I don't know, eight weeks or ten weeks of being with someone and you can see the lockdowns on the way, Mm. do you go, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to pull the trigger, move in, because otherwise I won't get to see you. (laughs) We don't know how long we're going to be here for. And could you imagine being in the early part of a relationship that maybe even earlier, maybe even it's been like you, you met on a Saturday night, you stayed over, you shagged again on the Sunday, she came over on the Tuesday or you went over on the Tuesday and then by Friday it was like, all right, from Monday it's over. Like, do you, what do you do? do you go like, okay. I love that. I'd go all in because yeah. you don't know otherwise, right? And if it doesn't work, doesn't matter. Go home, quarantine yourself there for 14 days and rid yourself of them. But you don't know. <laughs> and what a cool, that's a way cooler story if you started like that to tell your grandkids and saying we met on reality TV, that's way cooler. We went on two dates and then we got locked down for three months together and, and here we are. That's cool. Yeah, I, w- I wore the same pair of undies for 10 weeks because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't go to work. And she loved me. <laughs> yeah. Just ask your brother and your sister and your other oh sister. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's like, it's like- <laughs> It's such a weird world we're living in, though, that that's not a hypothetical scenario. No, there will it's be not. people in that situation right now. There, I mean, that's the fun, positive, you know, obviously take on this. But you're out, as you mentioned, you're out most days. You're you're talking to people. What's the? I mean, I only speak to my friends. I speak to my family. I don't poll members of the public. I try to keep away from them when I'm in calls because I'm trying to be a good citizen. When you are out and about. What's the vibe? Are people afraid? Are people okay? Are people confident? What do you reckon? Uh, I think being out and about, the people that you run into aren't afraid because they're out and about, Uh right? So I think there are an awful lot of people who are afraid. They're the people that are home doing the right thing and staying home and remaining locked down. And while that's a good thing for society, that's scary for them too because there's so many, so many mental health issues that are just worsening by the day. I think the general consensus of the people who are out and about and, you know, hopefully that's the people who are doing their essential work and who are going out for their hour of exercise – I, I worry that as Australians we have a bit of a she'll be right vibe happening um, and that's kind of what I generally am sensing from the people who are out and about. You know, when I go to the supermarket, people aren't looking inside the supermarket and thinking, oh, 
there's a lot of people in there. I'm just going to maybe wait out here for a while. No, they're going in, brushing past me and standing right on top of each other so they don't lose their spot in the queue. And, and I worry about that as someone who works, you know, in the news. So I am out there trying to bring the, the news to people to be telling them what to do and where we're at in our lives and in our country at the moment. I don't want to be put at risk when I have to be out there. So the people that don't have to, I mean, it sounds like a broken record, right? Because it's what the government and, and everyone has been saying for weeks and coming on months now, just like stay the F home. You don't yeah. need to be out, just stay home. Yeah, if you don't need to be out, just stay home. I am, I obviously, I speak from incredible privilege in that I can stay home. Yes. I, I had a bit of, you know, there was a bit in the tank that, you know, will get us over whatever the hell's happening. You know, work's okay still. We're not in production, but we're all right. But there are, I, I definitely remember like if I was 21 or 22, I was living paycheck to paycheck. I really, and I was, I was living paycheck to paycheck until... Christ until my second year of Channel V, I think. Mm. So if I was like, oh, payday's not for another eight days and I've got $67 left and I'm hungry and I need to pay rent, I would not be as chill as this person sitting talking to you right now, Georgia Love. So, oh, of course not. And that's what worries me so much about all these ongoing effects. And that's the exact reason we need to stay home because if this continues mm. for longer and longer and longer, more and more people will be in that situation. Yeah. There's nothing we can do, you and I sitting in our houses now, there's nothing we can do more than staying at home. So if that's all we can do, we've just got to do it. We want to do more. Every single person wants to do more to make this whole situation last a shorter amount of time and end sooner. But we cannot do anything more than stay home at the moment. And that's, yeah, do not, don't get yourself sick and don't get other people sick. Yet at the same time there, again, I'm in a place of extraordinary privilege in that I have a healthy relationship. We have yeah. good communication skills. The two of us have figured out a way to resolve disputes pretty well. You know, we'll be pissed off at each other. I'll usually do something quite stupid and I'll forget something. And it might be a couple of hours, but at the end, we'll hug and we'll kiss and we'll be okay. That's not everyone's relationship. And we are in this time where and it's horrible to imagine, but phone calls to domestic violence helplines have plummeted but texts and emails have skyrocketed mm. because the person is stuck in the house with the abuser and they can't get out. And that, that sort of thing is, you know, is these knock-on effects that in our community we're suddenly being faced with like, oh, shit, we have to, you know, and that affects me, that affects you, you know, because that person's kid could go to school with my kid and then we're all affected by this abuse in our community, it's not just that person who happens to live a couple of doors down from you. It's everybody. And goodness, I don't know how to fix it, but I do think a lot about it. I do wonder what can someone in that situation do or how does even a women's shelter look in a time when you can't be in the same room as somebody, you know? And, and what? how does somebody possibly decide which is more or less important out of their health in terms of going out and potentially getting a virus or their safety, which may be staying at home and being at the hands of somebody who, who is putting your safety at risk. How do you possibly make that decision? It's so, so, so full on. But I certainly hope that this experience globally, and I talked about this quite a bit, but I, I certainly hope this experience globally gives everyone a bit more empathy. If you suddenly felt I've got to run out right now and go and buy all the toilet paper and all the pasta, that's a tiny, tiny version of why someone would need to stop what they're doing, get their family, get in the car and just leave mm. because they're so afraid that something way worse will happen if they don't go. And we're all getting to experience that. And I certainly hope that this global experience changes us in a way. Do you have a routine that you're trying to stick to? Do you have uh, something that you're trying to keep regular so you don't lose it? Yes. I think probably the best example of that is just trying to keep moving. I don't have much of a routine because I work freelance. So I'm doing, I, I do different days in different workplaces all the time. So I've never really had much of a routine, which is a bit ironic about this predicament we're in at the moment is I have more of a routine now because I don't have things happening after work. I don't have different workplaces to be going to. 
my sleep patterns and my exercise patterns are as are what I can control at the moment and and that's if it, it only helps me mentally or physically of course as well both of those things will, will help with my physical health but if mentally all I can control at the moment is how much sleep I get and how much exercising I'm doing and feel like I've got some control over something then that's a start you know Lee and I have been again, in a very privileged situation, we're in a great relationship. And for the first few weeks, we're being able to look at this forced time at home as somewhat of a novelty. Obviously, it's a silver lining in a very, very dark cloud, but let's find a silver lining. Okay, well, we've got time where it's just us. We can talk about ourselves. We can talk about our relationship. We can, you know, properly look towards planning our wedding. We're not rushing from one thing to another. We're we're learning more about how each other copes in these kind of things. We're talking things through more than ever before because we've got the time. So I think that's an advice I've got for anybody is no matter what your situation, really good or really bad, find one tiny, tiny even if it's a little silver speck in that really awful dark cloud. And just as much as you can or as many times a day as you can, try to think of that and be grateful for that. I think that's what we're doing. And as as we've both said, that's from a, a point of extreme privilege. It's easier to say that, right? But I think that I hope that everybody can find at least one tiny, tiny thing to be, not even be grateful for. There's, there's you know, people will struggle with that. But silver lining is probably the best way to put it. Between that and controlling the things you can, it sounds like you're on a pretty good path. Do you make time to be sure to check in with people through your day? Oh, yes, big time. And I actually didn't think to do that myself, which is bad, until a friend did it um, with me. As a friend that I don't, before all of this, I probably would speak to maybe once every couple of months if something came up. But I got a text message from her out of the blue, quick mental health check, how are you holding up? And that one message just made me feel so supported and if I wasn't okay, I would have been able to respond to that. It's the whole premise of the are you okay mm. messaging. So I've I've taken that now from her and I'm doing that to my friends as well and to the people that who, who wouldn't expect it from me because I think that's what really made the difference, getting it from her too. We uh, make it a habit to exploit our baby son <laughs> a few times a day by... <laughs> Uh, we'll FaceTime people during feeding time. Oh. Feeding time. We've been watching too much Tiger King. We watch FaceTime. <laughs> we'll FaceTime people when he's eating, basically. And, you know, whether it's relatives or friends or, or people overseas at different time zones, like all of my American friends, we have breakfast with them. And then as Brisbane friends, we have, you know, dinner with them. And that is a, it's a great reason. It's a great excuse to get on the FaceTime and actually see someone, actually talk to someone. Because who doesn't want to see a baby smash avocado all over their face? Oh, it's, God. Awesome. And I want to see that. Dude, it's so good. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, it's very hard, probably harder for you to feel lonely because everyone's calling you because they want to see Wolfie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. But, you know, you think about if you fast forward to, you know, how sick could somebody we love actually get or how sick could I make somebody you know, it's like, okay, I will stay inside because I don't want my neighbours to get that ill. One thing that really made it hit home to me, one thing that I kind of felt right in the bottom of my heart was when they brought in the rules about how many people can attend a funeral. And I thought, whoa, imagine if someone had told me that only eight of us could have gone to my mum's funeral. Yeah. That made me, it's making me tear up now, even thinking about it, and it's a hypothetical. Yeah. And that, more than anything else, has made me say, I'm going to do everything I can to make yeah. sure that we get out of this soon because the thought of not being able to spend your the last moments, the last days or beyond, be able to say goodbye to somebody, that is just the most heartbreaking prospect for me. Yeah. 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 You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But all we can do is what we can do. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me on a Wednesday afternoon, Georgia Love. I thank, appreciate it. Thank you. It's been too long between, um, between, I was going to say drinks, but we've never drunk together. It's just been too long oh, between I don't, chats. And I, we never will because I don't drink. So. <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. 
<laughs> we'll both sip on our water. No, it's, yeah. been, it's been lovely to chat to you. Thank you for um, thanks for taking the time. It's always good to chew the fat with you, Osh. I'm grateful that you are giving your energy into something like your podcast and that your voice is out there like this because it's a valuable thing for people and I certainly hope they get a, a lot of enjoyment out of it. Oh, thank you. That means a lot and I feel very much the same about you and, you know, how lucky are we to be in a position that we can... We can create something and, and still be doing something and have a passion project at a time like this. Very lucky. All right. Have a good afternoon. Thanks, Osh. Bye. That was Georgia Love. You can find her on Instagram, Georgie A Love. Just search for Georgia Love. She'll pop up. And uh, she's also on Twitter. And her fantastic podcast is called Everyone Has an X. Get it where you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to the show. It's Monday, the 10th of August, so tonight is the night that The Masked Singer premieres, season two, Masked Singer. I absolutely adore making this show. That's what I'm been doing right now. And it is a proper, you know, kids have a shower, put your jammies on, sit in front of the TV, we'll let you stay up past your bedtime kind of show to watch. It is so much fun. It is really, really great, and I hope you dig it. Bachelor starts on Wednesday too. So it's a big week, um, which is pretty exciting. Thank you so much to everyone that helped me make this show. Rachel Barrett, my extraordinary uh, show producer. Andy Ma, my audio producer. Haley Van Spania on the socials. Mike Mills on the music. And my delightful wife, Audrey Griffin, on uh, her never-ending emotional support, <laughs> which is the reason that I'm able to be far, far away from my beautiful family. Oh, And you, Wolf? You good, buddy? Don't fret, it hasn't been an hour long last time I recorded this beforehand. All right, thanks heaps for listening. Until I speak to you Friday, sleep well, dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.